What's up, bitches? I'm Gaia. And I'm Nitha. And this is Bitch Why. Our podcast where we talk about all the things we like and dislike and why anyone would make them. We are just a couple of artsy bitches talking about killing men and making art about it. Yes. So, so I've been listening to a lot of your wrong about, and I like how they change their tagline per episode. Yes. I've been re-listening. <laughs> and now I want to do a bit where we do that. <laughs> we should. I like it. What have you been re-listening to? I've been re-listening to the Diana episodes. I was just listening to a Diana episode while I was pulling weeds. The Diana episodes I listened are to every single OJ Simpson episode. Dude, the OJ episodes. Like, I'm in so deep. Good. Ask me about Paula Barbieri. <laughs> what would be your your wrong about, like, if they called you on to do an episode, like, they had Candace Opper come on and do the Kurt Cobain and then the, the Courtney Love episodes, like, what would be your, your wrong about thing? Uh, probably Shakespeare. Okay, dope. I mean, like, I, yeah. when I was in high school, that I, like... makes sense. My whole thing was, like, talking about how Shakespeare was queer and about how, like, academia and mainstream, like, education have erased Shakespeare being queer and so I probably talk about Shakespeare being queer. I'd love to do that. You're wrong about call me and ask me to talk about that because I really want to. I'd probably do Twilight or what we're talking about today, actually. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> That's kind of right up my alley. Oh my God, speaking of. Oh wait, no, we have snacks. snacks. We, we haven't fully just yet. like brushed just over. Skipped oh, snacks. oh, I have snacks. to tell you something and it's relevant okay. to the podcast. I was watching an episode of The Crown. I will find the whichever one it is for you later. My friend Alyssa. Hi, mm-hmm. Alyssa. And I were watching The Crown and there's a part where Diana and Charles, and I don't know if this ever happened, but it's like fictionalized. They're talking about like how they should make their relationship work. And it was like so sexy. And I thought of you because I was like, this is exactly what Guy is talking about when they were talking about like what the like practicalities of having a romantic relationship would be. And like seeing that on screen, it was so weird to watch because you just never get to see it. So practical relationships are interesting. Like, as someone who's been doing a lot of practical relationship work recently, it's intriguing. And like, it shows that people don't have a vocabulary to talk about it. Like next time you're having practical conversations with your partner, notice how hard it is to like establish a vocabulary about practical relationship stuff. I feel like we should cover the crown because I have a lot to say, but that would be like later. I just like could talk nonstop about how important it is to like, like do work in your relationships. Like, yeah, like do work. Like your relationship is like just a little part time job. Kaya, what are you snacking on? My relationship. Um, <laughs> I'm I don't I haven't snacked in years because all if you want to know what my life is like, I do a series of 50 pound lifting reps for like 11 hours <laughs> and then I go to sleep and then I talk to people who I wish I was kissing and then I go to sleep. Um, so that's what I've been snacking on. Yearning. Yearning. All my snacks are songs. Is it the Lord song? Is that what you're about to snack on? No. Okay. Well, the Lord song is one of them. So Wild Side by Normani just dropped. And the music video is the best, one of the best music videos I've seen in a really long time. Lil Nas X just did that like teaser for a new song and also like got upset at Nike because they sued him for something. Oh my God, Nike is so stupid. But like, he just did that really cool teaser trailer slash like 
sketch comedy <laughs> bit about them. And then the new Lord song, Stone at the Nail Salon, just like really hit. And then Caroline Polachek has a new song called Bunny as a Rider, which I did not really like originally, but then Cameron got me on board. Hi, Cameron. Um, but yeah, I've just been like jamming out this week. Also, I had COVID. Oh yeah, that's crazy. I am vaccinated. Yes, you can still get it if you're vaccinated. I also just have a shitty immune system. So then I had a lung infection on top of coronavirus and I was coughing up blood like those bitches in those movies about Victorian England when they like cough into a handkerchief and then everyone's like, oh no, this bitch is gonna die. Like I was that bitch. Um, you had like a little tuberculosis <laughs> moment like my old roommate. I had a tuberculosis moment. <laughs> um but i'm fine now but like last week i physically i was i had to go to the er it was so horrible um so please wear masks still people let's get to the roadmap it's time for the roadmap for fun and profit the roadmap is your burden to bear i am jesus and the roadmap is my cross god Is that allowed? Can you say shit like that? Anyway, um, you know, this episode and all of our episodes, Bitch What, are made up of four parts. Uh, Bitch What, which is, we talk about what we're talking about. Bitch How, which is a little, we get into the nitty gritty, the like, the little blood and guts and gore of the piece. And then we get into Bitch Time, which is where we, where we remove our brains via lobotomy and then put them back in via reverse lobotomy. And I don't know how lobotomies work. Um, and then bitch why, which is where we, we sum up the implications, why this matters, why anything matters, why one should kill men, and the bitch meter, which is our little diversity score meter. It's time for bitch what? What are we talking about? Bitch, we are talking about Jennifer's body. Ah! I love this movie. We talk about Olivia Rodrigo. We talk about Jennifer's body. Because we are the queer youth of today. I grew up watching this movie. It was on some channel. I was just channel surfing one day. And I must have been like, this was in middle school. Like, this was right before my, like, Twilight phase hit. This movie was just always on. And I would watch it on repeat. My parents did not know. I think I recorded it or something. And then I just watched it over and over and over again. And I couldn't understand why I was obsessed with this movie. Because you were Spoiler gay. alert. It's because I'm fucking gay. Oh my god, I loved this movie. So it was interesting because I would try to bring it up to people. And they either wouldn't know what it was. Or they'd be like, that movie was bad. And so I just had to sit there alone with that. And then now it's like in 2009 is when it came out so like basically almost like a little over 10 years later i think now it's getting it's it's getting its flowers but i was there when it came out i know i i like went on this journey um and also like just tracking megan fox's entire career i was also kind of like paying attention to that the whole time so this was this literally this movie was my gay awakening actually like I think it actually was because it was the first time you watched Jennifer's body before it was cool I did I'm I'm not to not to like be that like hipster bitch but I was like I and this movie was my gay awakening um for sure like it was the first time I got to see like ladies kissing Amanda Seyfried and Megan Fox kissing 
I'm blushing right now just speaking that. Th- and that kiss is hot. It's very hot. It's so hot. <laughs> and well, like, especially compared to all the sex with men. Anyway, we have to talk about that later. Anyway, we'll talk about it later. How did you come into contact with this movie? I was talking to someone about all, like, the essential queer movies, mm. and I was, like, listing them out, and I was thinking about, like, the essential lesbian movies, and I was thinking about, like, But I'm a Cheerleader, and The Handmaiden, and, like, Colette, and oh, Colette. the one, the one with all the hands, you know, the gloves, the gloves, a lot of people don't like it, but I like it, um, Kate Blanchett. Carol? Carol. And into my mind, I was like, Jennifer's body. And I was like, I've never even seen Jennifer's body. Oh. I like don't know why it's like a sapphic movie. And so I watched it for the first time like three weeks ago. And now here we are. Oh my God. I've been sitting on this just for like a second. You've been sitting on it for a second. I've been sitting on my whole fucking life, this movie. Yeah. So we've got different, different perspectives. I think you should describe what happens uh, in honor of having sat on okay. it your whole life. Okay, so Jennifer's Body is about um, these two girls, Jennifer and Needy, um, and they're best friends, um, and they have, like, kind of a toxic yeah, relationship, are. actually. I would say that this movie is, like, Ginger Snaps meets Mean Girls. They have this kind of, like, toxic friendship. Needy has a boyfriend named Chip. Um, everyone in this movie is bisexual. I just think that Needy and Chip are bye for bye. Um, Needy and Jennifer are bye for bye. Also, the movie, the title is based off of a whole song called Jennifer's Body. Jennifer and Needy go to a concert with this band, Low Shoulder, and they're kind of, like, weird. They they debate whether or not they believe that Jennifer is a virgin, and then Needy overhears this and is like, Jennifer is a virgin, fuck you guys, because she's trying to defend her friend. Little do they know that they want to sacrifice a virgin so that they can be famous because indie bands are really hard to <laughs> make popular anymore. So they kidnap Jennifer, basically, after the, the bar uh, catches on fire, and they sacrifice her, but because she actually isn't a virgin, she's actually not even a backdoor virgin. <laughs> the um, the sacrifice goes uh, goes wrong, and she becomes like a succubus, and then starts preying on all the boys in their town because that's the only way she can like stay beautiful and alive. And then it all comes to a head when she goes after Needy's boyfriend Chip. And then it's also about their friendship and how girls are mean to each other. And also, like, how, like, your friendships with girls can be so intense sometimes that they're basically gay. And then Needy ends up kind of taking a piece of Jennifer with her after having to kill her. Oh, my God. I have so many feelings. But this movie is hot. This movie is, like, got a rich, beautiful metaphor about friendship and being gay and, like, being in love with your best friend. And also how, like, your best friend can be really mean to you and you just take it oh that's it that's all the movie's fantastic is it time for bitch it's time for bitch how also happy happy one year anniversary oh happy one year happy Um, one year should we kiss should we kiss (laughs) oh damn maybe Um, that's the name of the episode (laughs) (laughs) I, i was gonna say like like, obviously, like, queer movie, duh. But I, I felt like a lot of this movie was about, like, compet and also, like, the different ways in which sex can be traumatic. Like, the, the big metaphor I pulled out of it was, like, what it feels like to be, like, exploring sex for the first time and, like, early 2000s culture around consent. I, I was, yeah, I was, like, really into, like, the sex part. 
which is part of the gay part. No, that's really interesting. It's another sign of how this movie has such a rich metaphorical life. And something that I think is interesting is that a lot of times we review things that people don't want you to analyze because we're brats. Actually, we're bitches. (laughs) And that's why we started our (laughs) podcast, because we overanalyze everything. But I feel like it's kind of fun to analyze a movie that was like, I'm meant to be analyzed. Like I'm filling myself with analysis and so it's kind of neat to like get to dip our toes into like the stuff that's like the real juicy stuff well the thing is diablo cody and we'll talk about all of that and bitch why but diablo cody said i wrote this movie for girls i wrote this movie about like friendships that girls have with each other i wrote this movie with all of this shit in mind and even like the queer stuff actually is fully canon because Diablo Cody was like, this is what, this is like, sometimes I had friendships with girls that were so intense, they were basically romantic, like, we were in love with each other, and, like, she did say, like, Needy is in love with Jennifer, and, like, that's why I put all that dialogue in there about it, like, it is not queer bait, it's queer. This movie is dying to be analyzed, and I think, unfortunately, got that 10 years too late, but all of that is in there. I think the, the other thing is, like, I watch a lot of horror movies. Rape revenge is like a a staple of the genre. And I think what this movie does really well is like it kind of takes the rape revenge thing and subverts it. But in, in the way that like she's hunting men to survive, but also it's not even like the guys that did it to her. It's just like the ways in which like your next sexual experiences after ha- going through something like that are all, like, framed through the lens of, like, what has happened to you, is what is what I pulled out from that as well, in terms of, like, the metaphors around sex. I've been reading The Body Keeps the Score famously, and so something I'm really (laughs) interested in right now is the ways in which, like, emotional trauma and physical trauma are actually the same thing. And so having Jennifer's trauma expressed as her, like, physically, like, like losing health and losing beauty and then having Mm -hmm. to like kind of continually reenact the trauma in order to feel normal is like such a very astute way of representing the way trauma actually like neurochemically works and I don't know if she was like doing the the research on PTSD and I'm sure she was because she she seems like a smart lady I was talking to my boss about how if you read a bunch of different things at once, you find cross ties between everything because it turns out everything in the world is connected. We're just a bunch of trees screaming at each other Um, and coming at it from like this strong like psychology trauma point of view was super exciting. And I think that's part of the reason I fixated so much on it being like about sex and sexual trauma. And I also liked the way that it juxtaposed the way Jennifer has sex and in an unfulfilling way between the way Needy has sex in an unfulfilling way and Mm -hmm. the ways in which that like girls, especially young girls, struggle with having a personal relationship with sex that's about them, that like is about their needs and desires. Whereas like all of the men in the movie are kind of like constantly like looking for sex and wanting sex and like that's kind of their the like collective men like feeling during this film and needy and jennifer for them sex is just like something that they have to do and in order to like have power or to be in a partnership or whatever and I, i think it's such an accurate take on 
how young women are socialized to view sex, like as something that they do because someone else wants to do it. Yeah. I also think that like there's something in this movie for everybody. And what I mean by that is normally in a horror movie, the victims are like usually women. They're screaming and running away. I think the other fault of the marketing is that when people went into this, they weren't expecting to kind of watch men be victimized in the same way that we watch women be victimized in horror movies. And the other thing that is really um, successful about this movie is the way the, like, different attacks are framed, because the Jennifer's, like, basically metaphorical rape through, like, satanic sacrifice is framed as actually terrifying. There's no point in which, like, and usually when you go to watch a horror movie, when a killer is, like, killing somebody, you're like, oh my god, and it's, like, it's kind of sensationalized. But Jennifer's, like, what she goes through is framed by both the the writing and the camera as, like, something actually terrifying. Like, when the guys are singing, like, Jenny and, like, doing all of that, you're actually scared for her. And in a way that you're not for the guys, because you're like, yeah, fucking rip his dick off. <laughs> like, like, and, but the movie is so smart and the, and the director is so smart. And that's the only, like, you would have only gotten that if the director was not a man, which she's not a man. We just wouldn't have had that nuance. And I think I was so struck, like, in rewatching it that, like, they afforded her that, like, fear and terror of that moment. Not that you're, like, pitying her, but you're just, like, afraid with her versus, like, with the guys, you're like, yeah. But then the other thing is the different men that she goes after, it's kind of, like, obviously she goes after, like, that jock guy. I think his name is, like... Let's call him Brock. Brock is literally what his name would be in a different version of this script. She goes after Brock and you're like, yeah, fuck you, like, whatever. But then she goes after um, Colin Gray and he's kind of this, like, softer... Uh, that was weird for me. <laughs> well, and he was kind of this, like, softer, like, sweet boy who's maybe not as, like, toxically masculine. And I actually found myself feeling really bad for him because she really, like... To like she plays with her food in that part right she's playing with him she's like scaring the shit out of him and you see in his eyes like how scared he is and it was so interesting to watch that because you just never see you never see it switched like that and i think that like this movie is kind of showing that like even though like the women in this movie suffer from like the male gaze and like the way men treat women but like men also suffer from like the entire like the way the patriarchy works like these men are also suffering under that and like under those expectations as well so i think like all of that combined really just like ha i don't know this movie is just like rich with metaphor it's so good also just like in general the way like we as like americans in particular talk about sex and like what sex is supposed to be like mm -hmm. like I think something that's interesting about it, and especially because it came out in 2009, um, Different Galaxy, it <laughs> also kind galaxy. of seems to have have a relationship with the way that sex education is completely inadequate and just like mm -hmm. watching teenagers like fumble their way through adult things and just traumatizing themselves over and over again because they just they don't have the vocabulary to talk about it they don't have the ability to like verbalize like amongst each other they don't have like a social structure that they can talk about it in and all of that continually hurts people like the way Jennifer's like, yeah, I'm going to go off the with these random dudes, even though my friend is telling me not to or the way Colin's like, yeah, I guess I'll meet someone in an abandoned house. And I guess like, 
because like this is how sex works or like this is yeah this is how sex works um, right like this is how i'm supposed to do this yeah this is like the teenage culture of like sex is like so secretive and taboo and awful that like the only way to do it is to go off in a van with someone or like go into a uh, abandoned house um like sex was really interesting in this movie and I liked that sex was sometimes sexy. Like, I think that when Needy and Jennifer kiss, it's so <gasps> See, sexy. Like, because it is the hot. movie, well, the movie shows you like five different versions of sex and like frame and like has the ability to frame them all differently so that we can like, we can have this conversation. And even like Needy and Chip, like Needy and Chip having sex like definitely feels kind of compact, but it's also like you yeah. can see like them being like, like it's kind of a sweet moment of like just like kids fumbling around and like they're yeah. in love with each other and they just want to like try things and and be with each other. And so it's all just a great like panorama of like teenage sexual experience. Um, and yeah. I thought that was delightful. I, I like that Jennifer also, like, needs to commit acts of violence in order to, like, remain beautiful. I think that's something mm-hmm. that, like, really struck me in this rewatch. Oh, my God. I just, like, this is, like, Twilight for gays. Like, this is, like, I know that, like, twi- like gays love Twilight, but this was, like, Twilight for gays. For the gays. Like, uh, from the yeah. jump. Like, <laughs> like, not that we reclaimed it. It was already there for us just kind of sitting around waiting for us to, to like, refine it. The other thing is Megan Fox is, and we'll talk about this all in, in Bitch Why, I have so much to say about Megan Fox, um, but when she did that scene, the ritual sacrifice scene, she said that all of the tears and all of that and, like, everything she was doing was, like, real because she felt like that was what Hollywood had done to her body. She was like, Hollywood just wants me for my body. They don't care about, like, anything I tell them or or, like do in front of them she actually like as a as a person like wasn't even seen like going out partying or doing anything of the sort it was literally just the way she had been framed in like fucking transformers but she was like this for me was like this kind of purging of all of those feelings because they they do to me what in the movie what has been done to me already and she was like it was basically the same feeling which i thought was really fascinating and we'll just talk about it but i think that like this movie i think the other reason why people are like latching onto this movie again is because one there's like a little bit of a reckoning around like the women of hollywood and the way that they have been treated but also like to see something depicted in that way from a female perspective directed by women it's like i'm getting close enough to the danger without feeling like quote-unquote triggered i know triggered is like a triggering word now but like i literally like i felt like i could watch it and feel safe versus like sometimes when i'm watching horror movies that are directed by men and they're depicting like male on female violence i don't feel like i can be watching it like there's another movie called teeth that came out in 2007 so two years before jennifer's body and that's directed by a man and like that movie was infamous because it was like oh she's got teeth in her vagina and she like rips these guys dicks off with her like like (laughs) sharp vagina i remember going like being excited to watch that movie because i was like oh it's gonna be like jennifer's body and the way it's framed is like one you just feel sorry for the guys the whole time and you never get a glimpse into like what this girl is feeling And I was just like, 
ew, like, of course that was directed by a man. And of course it didn't do well. Like, and it was framed as like a cult classic, but I just don't, I fully don't believe that it is. I, I don't think it holds up. I think the concept was just something that was so striking to people at the time that they all were like, you gotta go see it. But I, I think Jennifer's body, it allows teenage girls to be teenage girls. It's like, it's sour. <laughs> but and I wonder if that's why, because famously the Good For You music video is a big Jennifer's body mm-hmm. reference. And I wonder if that's part of why that is, because Sour and Jennifer's body are both about like the total embracing of like things that about being a teenage girl that are awesome and teens things about being a teenage girl that are painful and like the empathy and torture and like anger and despair that it is to like be in this place in the world where everything you do is simultaneously like completely trivialized and also like utterly sexualized and like yeah I think being a teenage girl is peak the worst of womanhood because you have all of the sexualization that comes with being an adult with all of the nothing you think or say matters that comes with being a teenager. Yeah. So it's just like juicy to like have pieces of art that celebrate being a teenage girl. We talk about, we talked about this at length. Mean Girls I, I get Mean Girls. I don't love mm. Mean Girls, but I get it. I, yeah. Oh, Mean Girls was a thing that all of my white girlfriends, not my girlfriends, but my friends who were girls, like, all, like, put on me as, like, you gotta watch this. So, like, when all of them, of them were watching Mean Girls, like, I was watching Jennifer's Body. <laughs> well, what I think is interesting about Jennifer's Body, Mean Girls is, like, a movie about girls being mean to each other, which I think, it, like, that's a perspective that's interesting. And yeah. A huge part of being a teenage girl is having girls be mean to you. But something that's interesting about Jennifer's body is that it's just more of a nuanced take on that. It's like, yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. the girl who's mean to you is also the girl you're in love with. And like, yes, like you hate her and you want to be her and you're in love with her and you take care of her and she protects you. The the swirling emotional pit of being a teenage girl, that's not just... Because I think something that happens in Mean Girls is Mean Girls is like, yeah, girls are mean and they're mean to each other and it's awful and they should be nice to each other. Yeah. And like this movie is like, yeah, girls are mean to each other. And like the feelings surrounding that are so complicated and yeah, it's it's just delightful. It's so juicy. Well, I think so. So what's interesting is we're kind of at a pivotal moment where like it's almost like the gay marriage thing where like the gay marriage like marketable thing where now it's like okay to market to like to have like gay couples in a commercial but now it's also cool to like market to teenage girls openly and not shame them with like a twilight like now you don't see people like oh i really liked sour by olivia rodrigo but like i don't want to talk about it like everyone can talk about get made fun of for liking sour but only by my girlfriend okay well I guess that's valid, but, like, whatever. Um, But, like, what I mean by that is, like, girls are... Teenage girls are both the things that create culture. Like, they're the tastemakers right now. And they also are, like, okay to be marketed towards. But still, like, this entity that is horribly exploited. And so I think we're, like, in a very confusing place right now. There's a Vice article that just came out, came out, like, 2017, that is, like, Jennifer's body would have killed if it came out now. And I just don't, one, I don't think that that's true because 
this depiction is actually like maybe too nuanced. I think it needed to sit for 10 years because you have like the mean girl who is also the victim showing that there are like no perfect victims of any sort of situation of sexual assault or whatever. The mean girl can like be from this like shitty town. She can be like a virgin or not a virgin and it doesn't matter. You also have like the quote unquote nice girl, which is Amanda Seyfried's character, Needy, and she's also not a virgin. And and like they dress suggestively or they don't. And there's a lot of complexity in how they talk to each other, how they treat each other. No one is the good guy or the bad guy. And you actually have this kind of like end where like needy has so in the song um jennifer's body the lyrics are actually diablo cody totally like pulled from it's bettering you it's bettering me my better half has bitten me um sleeping with the enemy myself myself so you kind of got this like in order to heal from trauma you have to take that trauma with you and i think that's what the ending is the end of mean girls is we all just need to be nice the end of Jennifer's body is, like, we have to be nice and we have to be mean and we have to, like, kick some people. <laughs> we have to fucking kick some doors down and we have to, like, deal. We have to take the shit with us because we can't just drop it and, like, leave it at the door. We can't leave it after we got hit by a bus. Like, we have to, like, take it with us. It doesn't go away. And and I think that this... Yeah. The complexity is just too rich. That And that's what's so interesting about the idea that, like, when something happens to you, a demon goes into you and into you, you are the host to yeah. that demon. And also the way people treat you can put partial demons inside of you and then you just are stuck yeah. with that like the way girls treated me in high school and like the friendships I had that were kind of like this where someone was kind of an emotional leech off of me that shit sticks that shit leaves marks and then you have to just continue your life like that and that's fine and there's no like the commentary on it is that that is life fuck like <laughs> yeah like to circle back to what you were saying about the gay like the gay marriage problem which is what the mm. gay marriage advertisement problem which we talk about all the time is that like one of the things that the gay marriage advertisement problem creates is it creates things like corporate pride which is mm -hmm. where it's like what pride means and like what it means to be queer is like totally appropriated by corporate entities and like the actual like nuances and nitty-gritty of how being queer is still hard end up kind of like getting swept under the rug it's like similar to like when obama became president and people were like racism it's dead now it's we over. ended it there's a black <laughs> president i think like the same thing is going to happen to teenage girls where it's like yeah it's cool to be a girl now but like we're gonna still, like, ignore your actual needs and desires. Oh, and still dictate, like, how your body is allowed to be used. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, like it's, it's something I've been really kind of tracking recently, is, like, an idea that, like, there are makeup companies that are like, no, we're emphasizing your natural beauty. Natural beauty. Or, like, razors that are like, yeah, you could choose to shave or not to shave, but if you choose to shave, use our razor. You, and should, you like, should choose us, yeah. <laughs> it's this, like, fascinating thing where people are like, oh, no, um, our consumers are shaking off these bonds of insecurity that we desperately need for them to hold on to in order to do anything with our products. Yeah. And so we have to, like warp our marketing to such a degree that like we are marketing against ourselves and so it's fascinating watching corporate america experience 
Gen Z cultural awakening of yeah. oppression. I was just going to say that if this movie were made now, I don't think, like, I just don't think that the concept of, like, a Regina George that you also feel sympathy for would have made it through the rounds of, like, script revisions. I don't think that, like, the fact that women also participate in the patriarchy would have made it through script revisions. This movie had to be from 2009 like it just had to there's no there's no other way i think it would have been made and i think also people would have said like some of the metaphor is like too obvious i rewatched it twice once at like 4 a.m this morning and then again at 8 a.m because i couldn't sleep i just can't stop thinking about it the fact that you can be both scared of teenage girls and embrace them at the same time you can say hell is a teenage girl in this movie and then also walk away like rooting for her is just so exciting to me. Yeah. And I think this is something that particularly hits me. Like I, um, talking about girlhood and femininity is always difficult because like I am not a girl and I don't really like engaging with being a girl because I think it Mm -hmm. gives people the wrong idea. But I think that something that's hard to grapple with is like when everyone who has victimized you is also a girl It's hard Mm -hmm. to, like, want to embrace being a girl because it's, like, these are, like, the people who are making my life awful. And that's, like, something I've been thinking about a lot as we've got, like, this kind of pick-me-girl fad, like, kind of coming back up, which is, like, the same, like, anti-feminist fad from, like, 2012 where girls were, like, not like other girls. Which is, like, obviously those things are, like, just as misogynistic as um, wearing heels and, like, lip gloss and shit. But I also, like, can't help but empathize with that because when it's hard to embrace the weaponhood of femininity or, like, the covenant of femininity when all of the members of that covenant are the people who you're afraid of. And I think that's, like, an interesting thing in this movie where it's, like, I don't know if it's, like, in this movie or this movie just made me think about it, but I just have a lot of complicated feelings about, like, the utter revulsion towards the, like, not like other girls' girls. It gets to a place in all of its, like, fun dialogue and, like, really fun kills and then really not fun kill it gets to a place where just everybody has nuance. Like, Chip can both be, like, this adorable little, like, oh, you love him. But then he also is, like, not really paying attention to Needy while they're having sex, right? Like, he's, you see his face and he's like, oh, she's, like, making noises. She must be great, right? Like, everyone just is a person. We don't have to be like, oh, no, all women have to have solidarity with each other because if we don't, then, like, that's how, like, the men will oppress them. But that's not true. Like, everyone, like, we're all suffering under this thing. And, like, even I, I mean, I wrote an article for class about like teenage girlhood and I'll, I want to try to get it published. But um, even in writing that, I was just like, Ooh, I don't know if I can like feel close to like teenage girlhood anymore. Mostly because I'm not even close to being a teenager anymore. And also I don't really identify with like femininity anymore. All of those things. I felt like somehow this movie still allowed me in a safe way, kind of like sour to, like, have all of those, like, feelings again. I mean, I think the reason this movie is so inviting in that way is because it's so queer and, like, you're like, yeah, I can engage with the femininity in this movie because it's also queer femininity. I also, you tell me if this is for bitch time, but I, watching this movie made me think of, like, Juno and I, like, really miss early 2000s snappy dialogue. 
Why did we well, stop so, doing that? Well, so, I mean, that? Diablo Cody, that's exactly same same writer. Le- uh, same writer, same hat. Wow. I didn't know that. That's so funny. That's great. So, like, I have stuff about Well, but that also, like, I was thinking about, like, Aaron Sorkin. Like, unrealistic dialogue. Like, I just, as we say time and time again, unrealistic dialogue is fun. It's fun to not write realism all the time. Well, how come, like, Wes Anderson and Aaron Sorkin can have their versions of heightened? But then, like, so when, when Juno came out, and then again when Jennifer's Body came out, a lot of, like, male reviewers were like, no one talks like this, so, like, you guys are depicting teenage girls wrong. But then they are also like, and they're like, okay, what what about movies needs to have realism? Again, get me away from realism. It's like, how come, like, these guys can have their stylized thing, but, like, Diablo Cody can't write Juno and and Jennifer's Body and have this kind of, like, stylized heightened, which is also just as hard to act, by the way. I was, like, paying, like, really close attention to the acting, and I was like, they are keeping this dialogue so grounded, because if they played into, like, how weird some of this stuff can sound, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same. It's like Shakespearean acting. It's literally exactly. Shakespearean no, acting. No, it literally is. I was thinking about that and I was like, I wonder if Guy is going to mention like Shakespeare, but like literally like- Yeah, I will. The skill to carry this kind of dialogue, I would say is the exact same as fucking Aaron Sorkin and like the way uh, actors in like a Wes Anderson movie are kind of like little dolls that he places on the set and you have to like carry yourself a specific way. Like this is like the same shit. Anyway, I think we should I think we should just go into bitch. Art time. is for me making people who don't exist say funny little thoughts that I have. It's literally, I just okay, it's time for bitch time. Okay, we'll go. Yeah, a lot of buy for buy rights um in this movie. A lot of rights. The Maroon 5 bit killed me. That kiss is so hot. <laughs> so hot. That kiss is so hot. Girls um, kissing. Uh, the aquamarine shout out, like, absolutely destroyed me. Legendary. Um, Legendary love. Do you buy all your murder weapons at Home Depot? God, you're butch. Oh! <laughs> ah! <laughs> um, the n- nice insult, Hannah Montana. I thought you only murdered boys. I go both ways! I just wrote down all Megan of Fox. the. <laughs> yeah, you're um, just like reciting the script. I don't. I. That's a lot of thought for me. Um, not gonna when lie. she said move on.org, the Fallout Boy poster absolutely just. I'm dead. Oh. The Fallout Boy poster. What's the thing she always says? Crunchy or cheese and salty? fries? Salty. You're salty. salty. Yeah, and I love that. I tried to make crunchy it. happen in the same way, and I still am. <laughs> Stop trying to make crunchy happen. It's never gonna happen. I will. It's gonna. And then when he goes, oh, he goes, if I, if you're salty, or if salty is beautiful, you're soy sauce, babe. I was like, shut up. Like, I love these children. They're so ridiculous. It's so silly. Needy's mom. Them. I feel like we should address her, but I don't want to talk about her. No, I forgot Chris Pratt was in this. Um, yeah, that was a weird moment. I was like, oh, hi, Chris Pratt. You're in a homophobic Hi, Chris now. Pratt. Oh, the soundtrack hi, is Pratt. fantastic. The soundtrack is so good. Mm, Panic bangers. at the Disco. Paramore, like, absolute bangers, like, the whole time. God. Oh, when they held hands like that, and the framing of them, yeah. like, looks like they're a couple. If you if you put a boy in any of their roles, like, people would be like, they're together. So, like, I'm just saying. They are together. 
They are in love, okay? They're in love. They're in love. Why are there so many 9-11 references in this movie? I think that, like, I think that was kind of, I think they were trying to make a little generational nod because, like, 9-11, the the 9-11 commemoration shot. The shots, but then also, like, immediately after this girl is like, yeah, my dad was in Operation something high ground, whatever ground, and then I looked it up and, like, that was a 9-11 thing. And I was like, what is this movie trying to say about 9-11? And then, and then J.K. Simmons is in this and he's like, yeah, we can't let that fire win. And I was like... It's because it's like they're they're I think they're poking fun at small town America's fixation on 9-11. On 9-11. Because like if you talk to people from small town America, like they're like 9-11. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. A lot of things have happened since then. A lot of things. Not to say 9-11's not like a big deal, like it is. No. Um I just thought it was funny. I just thought it was silly. It's funny. Um Talking, speaking about, oh, I guess it's time for Bitch Why. Bitch Why time. Speaking of the language, there is a lot of just, like, throwaway racism and, like, the R word is thrown around, the F word is thrown around. This one part, she says, you need to to find a Chinese chick to buff your situation when she's talking about her nails. Poor Ahmet from India. Poor Ahmet. From India. He he literally doesn't speak. And the reason why he probably doesn't say anything is because they didn't want to pay him as much because if you speak in a movie, they have to pay you more. Yes, exploit your brown actors. Aha. So that's probably what happened there. Oh my god, we didn't even talk about the lighter tongue moment, but that's just iconic. I just forgot when she goes, I'm a god. And I'm gonna get that tattooed yeah. on me somewhere. I'm a god. With a lighter. That's sexy. You <laughs> should lighter. get that. Oh wait, that's a good tattoo. Bro, I'm in Shit. I'm in high key tattoo mode because I'm getting a tattoo in like eight days. So, okay, I, we got to talk about the way that this movie was marketed. Talk to me about this, because I don't actually know that much about this. I was okay, good. busy being a baby and raising my siblings. Beautiful. Yeah, you were a child. Um, and <laughs> I was sitting alone in my room watching this movie on repeat. So that's <laughs> what was, was happening. So actually, we were talking about this when we talked about Jojo Rabbit in that, like, I came in expecting Nazi satire. I got coming of age film and then it took a long time to kind of like reckon with those two things. This happens all the time with horror movies as well. Movie makers don't have jurisdiction over how the movies are marketed. So Megan Fox has just come off of Transformers. The reason she chose to do Jennifer's Body, actually she was Diablo Cody's first pick to to be in this film also because of the way she had been sexualized by the media, despite not doing anything in her public life to like warrant anything like that not that like she was asking for it whatever or that any woman who goes and parties or whatever in the public eye is asking to be sexualized but megan fox just happened to fall into this like kind of horrible situation michael bay said some awful shit about her which i won't repeat you can go find it i just don't want to repeat those words because he's an asshole the movie was meant to take that that stereotype about megan fox and use it against the audience And this movie should have probably been marketed like a Mean Girls, actually. But the way it was marketed was to, like, make boys drool. So on all the covers of all the things, um, it's her, like, scantily clad with, like, her tongue sticking out or, like, something very, like, Lolita-esque, right? And, like, the way Vladimir (laughs) Nobokov did not want... Yeah, I mean, like, Vladimir Nobokov did not want 
the book cover to have like sexualized stuff on it. And unfortunately, that's also what happened there. The kiss was shown in the trailer over and over and over again, actually to the point where Amanda Seyfried is like barely in the trailer. So can you imagine your surprise if you go to see that movie and the first like 10 minutes is Amanda Seyfried in a mental institution? Like that's going to make no sense for you. And then also people forget that Amanda Seyfried starred in this movie and killed it. Oh my god, she and Megan Fox have both, like, said on record this is one of their favorite movies to make ever. Megan was like, this is my favorite movie. Like, what do you think my favorite would have been, Ninja Turtles? Like, she was like, this is the best thing I've ever done. And um, so the kiss in the trailer is, like, highly featured, which, again, they even knew when they were filming it because Diablo Cody wanted that kiss to be in there. The girls say that they were, like, the girls. when they well, I mean, they were girls then, whatever. When they were filming it, they were very nervous, but that's mostly because there's such a close-up of their tongues that, like, that was scary to film. <laughs> but they knew. They were like, this is gonna get taken the wrong way, but it has to be in there because what it is is it's about them, like, exploring their sexuality with each other and also, like, Jennifer trying to, like, gain control again over Needy because she goes, she's like, no one else can have you but me. That's why she kills any guy that Needy is, like, like showing interest in right like there's a lot of like complex things happening here and also needy is in love with her even if though she like kind of doesn't talk about it like this like friendship is intense and we they have to have this moment in there but they're like we know what's gonna happen and then when diablo cody saw how men were the men marketing this movie were gonna market it they actually asked megan fox if she wanted to do like a live stream with the porn site um, to talk about the movie. Yeah. And like Diablo Cody shut that shit down. And she sent this like very long email saying like, I don't understand what's going through your guys' heads. This is not how I want this movie to be marketed. What are you thinking? Like, I need to know like why you think that you should market the movie this way. And the guy responded to the email with three words and it was Megan Fox hot. That's all. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. 2009, you know? So the way this movie is marketed was kind of like an American pie, like a Euro trip, right? Like, oh, hot Megan Fox. She's like taking her clothes off. Like, you're going to see this movie. She's going to have sex in it. Like, that's why people went to go see it. And then imagine all these boys who thought that they were going to get this like sexy, like romp with Megan Fox all get to see her like vomit up disgusting stuff within like 20 minutes of the movie she's ripping guys dicks off she's like tr like destroying like of course the movie got a bad reviews because people were marketed the wrong fucking thing and then unfortunately what happened was the people this movie was for girls did not get to see it because it just like yeah. got buried by in the, in the box office and then actually because of like the way it was marketed and the reviews it was getting Women were, like, attacking Diablo Cody and the director, Karen Kasuma. They felt like they were getting a lot of animosity from women for making this movie, which is so disgusting because this movie was for them. Diablo Cody said, I made this movie for girls. I made this movie for girls. I made it about being a girl. I made it about being a girl in high school and about, like, all the emotions that come up with being a teenager, exploring your sexuality, what's it like to have a toxic best friend that you still love, um, and, like, the way we can hurt each other. And, like, that all got buried. Yeah, I mean, isn't that, like, the problem in the world? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know, like, when everything you do or make or choose or care about is kind of centered around profit, you can't do or say or mean anything. Like, you can't. I think you're right that the marketing team dropped the ball, but I also think like the marketing team was destined to drop the ball because 
Yeah, they knew. It's this thing that I really struggle with and kind of am reckoning with right now. Good movies are almost kind of like a coincidence because people Mm -hmm. don't make movies to make good movies. They make movies to make money. And so like whenever a good movie happens to like worm its way through this like maze of funding and people and, and who you need to know and who you need to be, like once it's made its way through that, like of course the marketing team drops the ball because Hollywood's not ready to make good nuanced movies. And it never will be. No. Why is there an entire marketing division separate from these movies? Like, that's why a lot of horror movies tank, because the trailers, the way the trailers are cut, too, this is just, like, on even such a small scale of, like, the way the trailers are cut, people go in expecting something, and they come out disappointed, but that's not because the movie is bad, that's because you, like didn't gauge their expectations correctly. Uh, Just like a famous incident of this happening in my life, my dad thought Parasite was going to be like a goofy comedy. And he came out of it and he was mad about it. (laughs) What the fuck? And then later we watched Parasite and he was like, oh, actually this is like good as fuck. And I'm like, yeah, I know, Sean. Well, I mean, that's exactly how the Jojo Rabbit thing happened, right? Yeah. Well, because, because like it felt like it was in between these two things and the marketing... Did not do it justice. And that's like the thing. And they teach us this in the dramatic writing department at NYU about like genre and like finding your genre and fitting into it and like marketing within that and like writing within that. And like truly great pieces of media are genreless, hard mm-hmm. to advertise, they're hard to explain. Because when you do things with nuance and with care and there's hundreds of people working their ass off to make the best thing they can possibly make, then it turns out it's hard to quantify that in 30 seconds and send it out to the public and make them understand what it is. And I don't know, I'm such, I think living on an island has really like amped up my pretentiousness by a couple degrees. But like, it frustrates me so much. Everything about how we make movies right now frustrates me so much because Megan Fox gets relentlessly harassed for looking the way she looks is a product of the fact that we we throw so much money and fame and like ugly shit at filmmaking and we can't allow it to like be a craft because it's not about that. It's about like the people who are in it being beautiful and the people who are making it being beautiful and like this like bonanza of cash and cocaine and that's that's what Hollywood is yeah I mean it's really unfortunate I also remember just like the real world implications on like Megan Fox when she had like a one season arc on New Girl she got so much shit for that but like I really enjoyed her performance in New Girl, but people really just, like, shout on her. Like, because this movie did not do well and didn't get to do the thing that it was meant to do, was which was, like, revitalize her career and give her, like, the nuance and, like, a performance that she does really well in and she didn't get her flowers for it then. I mean, she's getting her flowers for it now. People are calling it kind of a cult classic, but I actually think that, like, at the time, people were comparing it to Heather's, and they're like, well, it's no Heather's. But if we go back to Heather's, like, that got a 2.5 from Roger Ebert. Like, that like that was not big when it was when it was out then, too. Like, we forget that. <laughs> like, and, and still, sometimes people don't get it. Like, I was watching some movie reviews 
A lot of people have been getting famous on YouTube right now for watching movies that they like or like guy reacts to Twilight for the first time or something. And so like there were some men and I watched their reviews of Jennifer's body and they still don't they don't get it. So I, I can't I don't know if we can say that it that it's fully like reached a place where everyone understands it now and like Megan Fox is fully getting her dues. She just released a horror film called Till Death that she's in. And she's, like, doing ayahuasca with her boyfriend, Machine Gun Kelly. So, like, they're fine and she's fine now. But I do think that, like, maybe as an actor for a long time, she felt kind of, like, locked out of certain things. I mean, especially the backlash she got for New Girl. And then now maybe has only found kind of a safe haven in horror because she doesn't have to be sexy. She could just act and, like, doesn't have to worry about, like, what she looks like and whether or not she's being sexualized. Because horror kind of, like, allows people to be kind of gross in a way that yeah. other movies don't and that really sucks and i feel really bad i mean obviously she's fine and she has so much money but like you know that's a we can we can hold both things that like she's fine and successful now but what she was dealing with then is not okay and i'm sure she still gets like asked stupid questions in interviews I don't think, I think if this movie did come out now, I don't think it would anyway, because it's not like IP for anything. It's not related to any franchise mm -hmm. or whatever. It just wouldn't happen. But and I think that's we're in this why like, movies don't make, get made anymore. Yeah. And so I think we're in this weird liminal space where like, if it had come out now, people probably would have called it queer baby and it wouldn't be the thing it is. It had to be a product of 2009 with like all its like weird references to Hannah Montana and Aquamarine. We wish in retrospect that it came out now, but I don't think it would have gotten to have all the same complexity and nuance that it did because it just would have gotten filtered through this like system. Because it's totally a product of its time. Yeah. Only now do we have the distance to actually like view it like within yeah. its time frame. Because like, it's not like you're in 2009 and you're watching a movie and you're like, this is so 2009. Yeah. But when you watch a movie from 2009 in 2021, then you're like, it's like they released, I I've been reading a lot about a famous art heist. And one of the things they did was the most, the world's most famous art heist, the biggest art heist. But like one of the things they did is they cut their paintings out of the frames, right? And this Jennifer's body, when it came out, was the painting without the frame because mm. the frame didn't exist yet. And now it's a painting and it's framed and it's in the Louvre. Louvre, Eve, Louvre. But even though like the people writing it had the frame. They knew, but they th had the we frame. weren't ready. Yeah, but like it's so shitty that like, because Megan Fox's career then had to suffer and Amanda Seyfried doesn't even get remembered for this performance. And the other thing I think like when we look at prestige quote unquote horror, that right now it's really dominated by men. I mean, of course, like the movies being made are fucking great. Like you've got like It Follows, you've got Get Out, you've got Ari Aster's Midsommar and Hereditary. But like, I just fully believe that something like a Jennifer's Body deserves to be up there in like this, but because it's filmed kind of like Twilight. I mean, there's literally a research scene that she does. And I'm like, this is exactly like the research scene in Twilight. But how come this movie filled with like, nuance complexity about being a teenage girl about friendships with other teenage girls about queer exploration all of these themes i would say are just as rich as a hereditary or just as rich as it as it, it follows it's never going to be allowed to be in that same ranking one because 
I feel like men, unfortunately, are still kind of dominating the horror space, even though, like, some of my favorite horror is is directed by by queer people and by, like, non-men. They, they're just never gonna get to this, like, threshold, and I don't know why that is. Jordan Peele has to shout out these movies because he's the <laughs> only person people listen to. And yeah. they, they're right to listen to him, but he has to shout them out. I was thinking as I was watching this, actually, like, the level of fluency with trauma in this movie reminded mm-hmm. me of Midsommar. Uh, yes and hereditary yes. in terms of like exactly. visceral trauma like where where you're like oh the person who made this gets it gets it yeah like well the lines also like it reminded me of demon play um go read guys oh demon play goodness. but like the scene where she's like you know you were never a good friend um even when we were little you stole my toys and spilled lemonade on my bed and here i am eating your boyfriend i guess i'm consistent like they're fighting physically, but they're also fighting about their relationship. And it's so perfect. It's so good. And like, and like all of this, like where she's like, where where Needy is explaining to Chip, like, um, well, I can show my stomach, but I can't show cleavage because that's um Jennifer's thing. And like this kind of like way that like we girls police each other and like have all these like unwritten rules around each other and like the ways in which like you are trying to spare your friends' feelings and you don't want to get in trouble with each other. Like, all of this is just as rich as fucking trauma and hereditary, okay? Like, this... But because it's about teenage girls, it doesn't get that same hype. Anyway, rights for teenage girls. Hell is a teenage girl, and I'm very happy to go there. Sexy of teenage girls to do that. Yeah. Do everything. All right. Bitch meter. Time for the bitch meter. Time for the bitch meter. Here we rank the thing. All right, for queer, we gave it a five. It's actually queer. Like, it's fully queer. Required Wolowa viewing. It's required queer reading. Um... You simply must do it, and it's canon. It will be on the test. It's unlike um, unlike our Lucas and our Cruellas. Like it's literally actually queer. It's like in the queer. It's classes. in the text. Um, it's in the text. All right, what are we giving for Gender Gaia? Eight to five because this movie is about girls, four girls made by girls. Yes, four girls for the girls, and that's hot. Something cute for the girls for the summer. Uh, it's for it the is. girls and the gays. That's it. That's it. Um, for race, we give it an NA minus one because it doesn't engage with race. Like everybody in this movie is white, but justice for my boy Ahmet. (laughs) Justice for my silent brown boy Ahmet. All right. Disability. You should say that because I feel like body positivity is my thing. Okay. All right. For disability, we give it an NA minus one for slurs. Why are there so many slurs? The R word is in here. Literally like, please stop. Um, Again, yeah. with that, like, edgy language, they think that, like, that is also goes along with edgy, but really it's just, like, racist and... <sighs> and it was 2009. And, and it was 2009. And people still said those words. Awful. Let's not. Let's not say these words. These ableist Fellas, words. we've reached the body positivity portion in the bitch meter, and you already know what's going down. It gets an NA minus one. You know, there's always... Every day is a new opportunity to cast a fat person <laughs> in literally anything. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's all. And for class, oh, nothing. for class, nothing oh my god, class. we gave it an NA. It doesn't do anything. Um, that gives us a final score of Jumbo, please, seven out of ten, which I think is perfect. Yes, perfect. Yes, 
Good for it. Uh, it's time for Harris's hot take. Hey, bitches. It's Cameron. And Harris was not available for a hot take this week. But I'm here to say happy one year anniversary. I've loved working on this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of this episode. All right. Bye, bitches. Thanks, Harris. Um, What are you working on? I'm I'm in rewrites and revisions for a play that I am putting on with the help of a wonderful friend of mine next year. And it's going to be very exciting. Not that next year, like in the fall. In the probably. fall. Yeah. Feels like next year. In a month. Uh-huh. Oh. Um, I don't know. I feel like because of the nature of this episode, this is a good time to plug my movie about being subsumed by cockroaches because someone should produce it. So... I'll do it right now. We should make we'll that movie it. because when I get back, we'll do make... it. We'll literally just when I get back, we'll do it. Feminist literature about uh, trauma. When I'm when I the second I test negative for COVID nineteen, I will come back to the city and we'll make it. Excellent. <laughs> what are you working on? I'm in a class called Writing the Think Piece, and I actually just finished writing a think piece about teenage girlhood and like the way we treat like uh, young girls in media. So I'm going to try to get that published. <gasps> I liked the thing where we did each other's. Yes, I was going to say. Do Instagram. you want to do? We should do that okay, again. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Yeah. I think that's. Okay. Good. It has to be a thing for forever. Um. Okay. You can follow Gaia at Gaia Rose River or Gaia River Rose, depending on what you want from them. And you can follow Nita on Instagram or Twitter at Nita underscore Tadani. T-H-A-D-A-N-I. You can follow the Bitch Why Podcast on Instagram or Twitter. At Bitch Why Podcast. And you can email us at b.tchwhy at gmail.com. Please leave us a review and rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. All of our resources referenced are going to be in the show notes. Thanks to our editor and co-producer, Cameron. Capital G God. Gay God. Cameron. And our graphic designer, Jillian. Have yes. a good night, bitches. Good night, Got bitches. Happy one year anniversary. Should we kiss? Happy anniversary. We're gonna. We're right gonna now. kiss. <laughs> good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs>